Yo. What's good? Black History Month. Black on black, baby. Black on black. That's what we do. Everything black. Black on black. Big on big. Now, I'm going to tell y'all, for our listeners, if you are not black or brown... This might not be the episode you want or to listen to. Or this might be but for I'm you. But I'm inviting for Absolutely. you to listen and educate yourself. This because be. sit your privilege down and mm, just listen. Please sit your privilege and just, down. And, and listen to, you know, two black educators on the run. You know what I'm saying? Who Straight on the go- run. Who are going to talk about black excellence, black opulence, mm. you know. And we're going to tackle this subject maybe through industry. Right. Different industries. Right. And we got a handful of different industries that we want to talk about where black excellence and opulence is personified. Mm. It's magnified. It's impacting. It's cultural. It's shifting. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, uh, this conversation, this podcast is going to be directed towards Black History Month. It it always is. And that's every month. Even though we even though Black History Month is not just a month. And it's, it's every month. It's every month. You know, even though it started off as a week, you know, and then led into a month. Right. And they gave us the shortest month of the year. Carter G. Woodson. But again, there's some history around that. Yes. Carter G. Woodson. The reason why it is in February is because our boy, yep. Frederick Douglass yep. birthday is in, in February. February. And then Abraham Lincoln, because he signed yep. the Emancip- he signed the Emancipation Spatial Proclamation, Proclamation even though we our ancestors we were still weren't freed free. until we were almost two hundred and two and almost two hundred two and a half years later. Yes. Galveston, Texas. Yep. Right. But that's why it's in February. So please, when we're talking about educating and we're talking about mm-hmm. sharing information, let's be clear on what it is that we're sharing so we don't continue with falsehoods. And let's just say hypothetically. That was the case. They gave us the shortest month in the year. Black history should be all of our responsibility. Absolutely. How is it taught in your homes? How is it, again, shared with the way in which you show up in the world? Absolutely. And how are you giving it back? Because we have a responsibility. All of us adults or people who call themselves grown have a responsibility to not only uh, be salient in our race and in our nation, but we also have a responsibility to develop our youngins, our youth, you know, and to educate them and show them and to give them examples of what it is to be black and that it's okay to be black you know because you'd be surprised there's still some there's a lot of people out there that don't want to be black they want to bleach their skin and all that mm, kind of stuff you unfortunately know? and they want to you know they, they just want to strip away the the blackness that's in their dna i'm here to tell you no matter what you do you're still black baby can't all run away. from it you're still black all the way you know so how do you want to tackle this what industry you want to go into first and in dedication to black history month wow so Let's start with movies. Why? Because we've talked a lot about, (laughs) we've been talking about Cosby show, different world and how that led into blackish mixes, mixes grown ish. And I want to say one thing, regardless of how we feel about Bill Cosby in his problems and his troubles, he did a dynamic thing with the Cosby show. He gave a different narrative. He gave a different perspective Mm -hmm. on what it means to again, to be a black man and a black woman Mm -hmm. growing with a a straight black family. Was it in Harlem or Brooklyn? I can't remember. They were in New York city. They were definitely in New York city. I'm not certain which world, which part, but a black man and a black woman 
successful, educated, went to an HBCU, had children, and they showed the complexities of the The family. family. And they tackled racism. They tackled standardized testing. They tackled dyslexia Mm -hmm. when, again, remember- Money management and finance. Money management. They tackled death. They tackled pregnancy. They tackled- STDs. STDs. Drugs. Drugs, corruption. They tackled a whole bunch of things. Like Bill Cosby, again- Put put your bias aside, but Bill right. Cosby gave America a face and an identity of the black family and what it could be like. Not the downtrodden, the everyday common folk. I'm talking about those that are successful, that have a house, right, with a mortgage, and they have a family, and people are fed with no, mind you, with no like no housekeeping. They actually oh, right. like yes. they're the ones cleaning up their houses. They're teaching their kids how to cook. They're teaching kids about death remember the fish with Rudy and the, the oh, goldfish yes. you know they, and like, then they were so honoring other blacks Lena Horne how he loved Lena Horne and it was set in Brooklyn absolutely in Brooklyn right yeah, brownstone so, you know but then you transition into the present you have that same type of idea right Right. The same idea, the same premise of a black family. But this time they're in California. Right. So on the West Coast, so they're on the West Coast right. set into the present. And now you have a show called Blackish. Right. So let me. So before we transition and talk about the importance of how progressive Bill Cosby you also was. Had, because remember, you also had a whole bunch of other shows, black shows. You had um, the Jeffersons. Family Matters. Yep, the Jeffersons, right. then that was before that. So then even Good Times Good really kind of came from that. But remember, so let's Moving talk on about up, um, the Jeffersons. Jeffersons. So here's the deal with James Evans. It all kind of came apart because James Evans as a black man and even at John Amos was his name, right? John, the Evans family, your name was James. He said to the writers, yo, when do he finally get a job? He can't, we can't stay in this one space, this space of, like you said, downtrodden, the space of negativity, the space of being in the ghetto forever. When does he finally get a break? And he felt like it was feeding the notion that a black man would always struggle in sending this subliminal messages. So he was like, you know what? I want no more of it. So with that, then we come around, right? Then we had the Jeffersons. They were moving on up. Mm-hmm. They had, we had those, that particular show. Then we come into the Cosby show, which really set the stage for black opulence, black education, and a relationship between a man and a woman that was two working parents because mm-hmm. Jeffersons, they had money. They moved on up, but Louise didn't work. She was a stay-at-home mom. Right. So that was, again, juxtaposed another with the- dynamic. Exactly. That was mm-hmm. another black dynamic because, again, what we've seen, society has shown us that black families had to have two-income household in order for them to thrive. Sanford but, and son. Sanford and son, right. So their father and the son. Black men don't take care of their children. Right. Hello. We debunked that rumor. So we've been debunked bunking all of these rumors about what black excellence looked like the Wayne's brothers brothers. living together. Yes, exactly. Then the father had the store. He had his own business, his own restaurant, his own restaurant. So Mm -hmm. there's all of these beautiful, positive narratives, but we 
have continued not to honor them and celebrate them. And then we'll talk more about blackish. Cause I know that's one of your favorites, but I just yeah. want to say shout out again to all of these wonderful iterations and beautiful examples of black family. And then thinking about Bill Cosby and how he really wanted to be intentional about the messages. He had a psychologist as one of the writers, Alan Poussaint, Dr. Alan Poussaint, because they knew they wanted to break down the way in which black families had been shown in news and media and television. Like I before blackish, I would say that the closest thing that you probably had to something with the Cosby show probably was the Fresh Prince. Yes. Because you had Philip Banks and Vivian, right. both of them. Educators. An educator. She was an educator. He was a, a lawyer, judge. Yes. You know, living in Bel Air. Right. You know, and they had a family. And then you have Will Smith coming in. From Philly. You know, from Philly. Mm-hmm. And like, he's like the rough stone. And right. they're already like. Like polished. They have like this polished, you know, <laughs> the upper echelon, upper echelon, bougie type of family. But then here comes Will and Will brings a sense of groundedness and reality and it changes the whole family dynamic completely. It, the know? pendulum shifts completely. But here's the deal. Speaking about that, since we're talking about movies, do you know that there's this young writer who went to Will Smith and he wrote a story? So I don't know how it's going to come out. If it's going to be Netflix or if it's going Probably to be Netflix. a movie, but he's writing the narrative differently. Will Smith shows up to Bel Air and no one wants him there. So there's so it it shifts them again. Right. It shifts again because Carlton and his sisters are like, who is this coming here? And the only one that really wants him there is his Aunt Vivian. Like you have to see. I have to find out um, the name of it. But yes. And Will interviewed him was like, yo, why did you again change the narrative? What made you think about that? And he was sharing what made him think about it. And I have to figure out what that you was. Know, we also talk dope. about like, because the Cosby show set up the premises for a lot of different dynamics within the black community. So like, Indeed. You, you know, you, we mentioned Fresh Prince, you know, Bill Cosby also talked about relationships. And then here you go, you got Martin, mm, right? Yep. You got the Martin TV show. And it talks about a young black couple living together right. with friends. Right? right and they're all like trying to make it in Detroit yeah. like they're and not then, really like they're not really live in color. there and living color and living color was and a it's living show. single living oh, single wait a minute Black women living together. That was a stereotype that black women couldn't live together and like and be you know, successful they be, and it, right they and without coexist. being you know gay right wait but wh- who was the one cat the cat that was on Friends and said Friends was the first show oh, of his man. kind so and Maxine, Ale- Erica Maxine Alexander shut his shut it down, down because uh, like let so me the remind rumor you was, so the rumor was was that what you just said that um, what Friends. Is it, Friends Friends had the original idea but in fact it was in reverse Friends stole the idea from Living Single of course they did they stole it from them there's a surprise still right. so you know but you <laughs> talk about that you talk about uh, the steve harvey show mm. the steve harvey show you had a black a single, principal a single black man who was a teacher you know and then a and, single black woman who was the principal a single black woman who was Wendy the principal Rachel. so now that changes the dynamic because usually in shows like this the black man is the principal yep. and the woman's the teacher it's different it's reversed the black That's man a is the teacher yes and regine um is that re- re- her name was regina well, regina no 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 regina? steve harvey no her her real name 
What's, I can't remember what her name was on the show, but I think her name was Wendy Rachel yeah. or something like that. And she was right. the principal in. Right. So we mentioned Steve like Harvey. the Wayne's brothers, you know, man, it, it just tackles. There, there was a lot of different uh, things. Remember the game, the Shabiti show where there was the uh, it was about a football player. T, uh, one of the twins was in it. T and Tamara that was in it. And then the one that was the principal in the Steve Harvey show was the mother yep, of the football, player, the football right? player. You know, so but all of this leads to the road of the current show. You got to acknowledge family matters, though. I cannot. Before yes. we get to Blackish, we have to. And this whole chain, we have to acknowledge. Um, Her name was Wendy Raquel um, Johnson. It. There it is. You have Robinson, to, excuse you me. You have to acknowledge family matters. Family matters was a show about a family who had a neighbor and Steve Urkel, right? right? Who was like this nerd of a kid, right? Who you, I don't think we ever found out who Steve Urkel's parents were. We never, never seen we him. never seen his yeah. parents. They were always, but he was always at their house. He was. But, but again, but even honored, thinking he about loved the, this yes. family so much. And I think the reason why, like, I think that there was a back a behind the scenes premise of that. Cause I don't think Steve Urkel really had like, I think his parents are always busy. Right. They were always busy doing And there was something stuff. about that nuclei, the safety and the security of the family within the um, family that he was always at family matters. I even think there was a point where Steve Urkel, like, moved in with them. Like, I think he lived with that. them. Her I name think, was like, his, um, Regina. Yeah. Okay. From, the, um, from Steve Harvey. Yeah, because I think, like, Steve Urkel, like, his parents ended up, like, moving overseas and he stayed. Mm. And, like, they ended up taking him in. Right. So now you're talking about, like, adoption, you know, mm. or, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're talking about, um, a family dynamic where you have Carl and his, Carl Winslow. He's a fireman, you know. I oh no, he's, he's a cop. cop. He's, he's a, a cop. cop. Uh, his wife, what is she? She worked at a grocery store or something like that, I or what she did. she did something. And then you got Eddie Winslow, yep. and then you got his sister, his right. two sisters, right. you know. And there's this whole dynamic of them going Laura. through high school. Laura, and they're going through high school together, and the pressures of being in high school and this family in Chicago, right. you know. And then and, and then thinking about then the mother, the wife, her sister being divorced with the young son. So again, having children out of wedlock. And then what happens? Do you give your child up and talk about adoption mm-hmm. or you let your sister, your family member be on their own while they're trying to make ends meet? And she was like, listen, my husband and I, we have this big house. So Judy was the other sister name, yeah. right? So come on in and we're going to let you, so you can raise your kid, mm-hmm. your son, Richie, little Richie, and this warm environment, family matters. We're going to take care of our family. We're going to take care of the matter of our family on our own accord. Family matters used to always infuse like popular culture figures like Bruce Lee. Yeah. Right. Remember when uh, Steve Urkel, he made a machine and because I think Richie, <laughs> Richie was being bullied by some gangsters. And so Steve Urkel ended up inventing the, the, the machine that converts you into like people. So like he turned into Bruce Lee. They Like he turned mm. into, he's turned himself into Stefan Urkel. Now that, you know? love that. I mean, like it, it just... Again, the dynamic of like reinventing yourself and like, you know, nerds being cool. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's cool to be smart. It's so cool to be smart. For those of you that are book smart and and fearful to take your books home or to share with your friends, believe you me, they want to be smart like you. Now, this all leads to Blackish, right? Blackish really like takes all of these different things and elements, right? 
and puts it into all the way the together. Show. It puts yeah. them all together. It the does. relationships, the family dynamic, talking about being culturally competent, black national discrimination, discrimination, um, prejudice on the job. Remember yes. some of when Drew was at, he works for an advertising agent. He's an advertising executive. I don't watch television that much. Dre. So I get Dre. See, I said uh, Drew. I don't watch him often, but I did see it once when they had one, one of his colleagues came with an actual ad campaign that was so racist, sexist. It was objectifying women. There were so many isms in this. And he was like, are you kidding me right, right. now? And he was embattled because he was like, and we are really going to do this. And it speaks to all of the things that we have to contend with as people of color and how we have to code switch and how we have to constantly be on the education front for our non-minority colleagues and friends and family. I love blackish because like we're in black history month. Now, right? We are black on black, baby. Every year there's certain shows and certain seasons of the year that I watch blackish. So they got the Halloween show. Okay. They got the Christmas show and they got the black history month show. Okay. Like last year they did a whole thing where uh, they did a song and it's called, we built this. Mm. And then they came out with a shirt that says my ancestors will be happy right now. Mm. You know? And like the show is very intent it's, on tackling yeah, political. all yeah. of the black dynamic, even even the parts that hurt the most, which is why you have a show called Mixish, because mm-hmm. now you have Rainbow, which is Dre's wife. You have her side of, of the story and her perspective, vantage point of being not only black, but white. So, you know, and all of the things up, that she deals with growing up in contention. a time where like being mixed was like a taboo thing. So it tackles like her going into a public school for the first time. And they're, you know, black kids are asking her, like, what are you? Mm-hmm. White kids are asking her, like, what are who you? you? Right. You and did. so like she feels like there's not a sense of belonging. Like she doesn't know who she belongs right. to. Right. And then you got grownish, you know, which is like the the same blueprint as to like Cosby, Cosby show. and the different world. Yes. You know, where you got Dre's daughter Zoe goes off to college. The same way Lisa Bonet did same, in a different world. Same way. And she forms these relationships. And now you're seeing the growing pains of a young black girl going away to college. Right. And you see the struggles. Dre cut her off, right. you know, cut her off. She has a boyfriend. She's, you know, she's doing all the stuff that like a normal college student would do, right. you know, having sex, you know, drugs, alcohol, going on trips, struggling with the academic money, probation, <laughs> academic <laughs> probation, trying to find identity. I right. love this show because it truly personifies, mm-hmm. you know, the black dynamic of today's society. Right. Cause aren't there two twins on there? Two sisters or something yeah, like that. They're, they're, well, there's a brother grown-ish. and a sister and they're twins. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean on grownish when she goes to school. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those the two, they're singers. Oh, okay. They're singers. Are those Beyonce. the ones that was Beyonce sounding yeah. with? Okay. So I, I love Blackish, man. I really do because in history and in, in the spirit of Black History Month, I believe that Blackish really personifies the present day condition mm-hmm. of the successful Black family. And it, 
it goes back into memories of them struggling too. So it shows. So it doesn't, it doesn't just show. So it doesn't, it doesn't just show the black successful moments. It shows like the, you know, like the struggling moments of them raising up. Like it has a dynamic where like Dre and his mother, and they talk about the pastimes of his mother. Talked about like the failed marriage between his mother and his father. Yeah, Jennifer his Lewis father, and Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne lives with Dre. You know, and then and then the, Jennifer Lewis lived next door. Right. No, the mother lived. The mother. They. I think they both live with them. No, no, they both live with them. I thought one of them live with them and one lives next door because the father lives with Dre. Okay. The mother, I believe she lives there too. Okay. She has her own like space and stuff like that too. So it's just a a wonderful dynamic next industry. So again, we're talking about that. We mentioned Beyonce. We're talking about the struggle. Let's talk a little bit about rock nation. Oh, in the brunch, Rock Nation brunch. Shout out to Nikita. Shout Nikita, to like Nikita. you, the truth, girl. Shout you real, real. Nikita, Nikita our very Nikita. own Nikita was like, at I, I'm, that yes. event. Like, come I'm not on, we gotta throw drop out that. What Nikita's no. doing because I made a promise that I will not blow up your spot. But Nikita, continue to do what you're doing, girl. So you can I'm continue to put you, us on. Because I'm telling you, Nikita, your time is y'all don't even know. Nikita is all the way live, and she was at it's the coming. Rock Nation brunch, and it was a wonderful thing to be able to hear some of the things that she experienced. So thank you for bringing us now, along for the ride, sis. We, we love talk, you. Now we talk about black excellence. When and black, black opulence. You know, black I, I'm, opu- I mean, on the top of it. Listen, let me tell you something. Sean P. Diddy, beloved, whatever you want to call him, right? He put it. He put. He, all, he, he put everybody toast. on notice. He made a toast. He said, "Look around you." He was like, "Obviously, you could see this is a billion. This is a billionaire brunch. We spare no expense. We he's spare like, no expense." He's like, "But you didn't have to be here. Mm. This is a privilege. You didn't have to be here, and you're surrounded by people, right, who have resources." Right. Who have connections that have wealth, that have that have influence and influence. Right. But the one thing that we all have a common denominator about is that we all have the drive to want to be here every Mm -hmm. year and to be successful. Because we know what it is to be on the out. So let's talk about how the Rock Nation came about. So it's tethered to what award show? The Grammy Awards. Okay, the Grammy Awards. What happened is, is that the hip hop community always felt that they were disbanded or dismembered and not acknowledged every time the Grammy season came by. So because we aren't because we aren't. So Jay-Z and Rock Nation um, and separation created the Rock Nation brunch. So every time that week, the Rock Nation will host uh, a series of of events events leading to the actual brunch and the brunch consisted of all of your hip hop dignitaries that were like the who's who's in the world, anybody and everybody world within the hip hop culture, period. And within popular culture, period, you had the Jay-Z's, the Beyonce's, of course, because they're the ones that's hosting it. And then you have like the Diddy's, the Meek Mills, Mm -hmm. you know, you have the record executives, you have like, you know, the artists, Kevin Hart goes every year. You have like Terrence, uh, Terrence Howard, and you have like Griselda, Griselda, shout out to the uh, to Griselda with the West Side Gun and Conway and, um, you know, Benny the Butcher, you know, because these are Buffalo local artists, you know, that have been signed with Rock Nation and they were at the brunch and they were building, you know what I'm saying? And in the midst of all of this, the reason why I bring this up is because our very own Nikita was there and and Nikita is up and coming and Nikita ended up, she put up a quote or she was on Instagram and I commented on it and 
there was a post and the post pretty much says that if you ever see somebody standing next to me, know that they're better than me at something. Mm. That is the whole Mm. premise Mm. of the rock nation brunch because everybody Mm-hmm. feels as if like yep. they're surrounded by someone that knows more than them mm-hmm. and they all want to like milk off of each other because sure. it's not a selfish event. Everybody wants to feed off of each other because everybody has one thing in mind. We all want to grow and get to this promised land. And that goes back to this whole space that I love about the platform that we have. And then our individual platforms, listen, collaboration is a new competition, especially within the black and brown communities. The moment we get that through our heads, the moment we get that and hone it and embrace it, the pendulum is shifting. Yes. And guess what? And that's why we're seeing all of the things that we're seeing. Do we dare mention 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and what happened with that impeachment? It was nothing but, again, some more propaganda, some smoke. That's just and, again, and then yeah. guess what? Don't trip. We, only, we, we knew that was going to happen. November. That's yeah. all I got to say. November. Keep your Get eye ready. on the ball. Ready. Be ready. So at the end of the day. It's saying to us, for us, by us, it's time out because Superman does not come to the ghetto. Superman is not coming to save us. We must save ourselves. Collaboration is the new competition. And again, you see somebody standing next to me, know that they're better than me at something else because we need everybody to have a seat at the table. We need everyone's perspective Mm -hmm. because there is a seat reserved and there's a crown attached to that. But unless we are able to what see that, Mm-hmm. Unless we're able to graft onto something, mm-hmm. unless we have a frameworking, mm-hmm. how else would we even know what that looks like? So it's up to us to be sharing that and keeping one and putting one another on. Yeah. Fred, what you need? And that's the whole Charles, what you need? Thing. Jay, what you need? Vanessa, Man. what you need? Fatu, what you need? Sally, what you need? Nikita, what you need? How and can I wh- help you? In what ways? How might I? And how do we scale this and how do we grow it? So Let's close this thing out with Diddy's call of action to us because this is our call of action to you. So at the Rock Nation, so during uh, Grammy week, it was Grammy Grammy week. week. Okay, right. Uh, The Grammys ended up having like a private dinner, right? Like they normally do. They have a private dinner and Diddy was being acknowledged. Diddy comes up and Diddy makes a speech and Diddy pretty much puts the Grammys and all the powers that be on blast on blast. And he gives them notice. He tells them, listen, y'all got 365 days. Get it. Listen, get right or get right or get left. Come on. Period. For so long, we've been ripped off. Starting from like jazz and rhythm no. and blues and, Chuck and Berry, rock and roll, rock and roll. BB King. And, 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 and now hip hop, like we have been on the back burner Knowing for a fact that we're we, the original creators, the most, we are the original creators and we of are everything. the most innovative within this popular culture that we call hip hop and music and entertainment. And it's we, everywhere. We shift culture. Like Dame Dash says, say there's it. a bunch of culture vultures out there. Mm-hmm. And did he put everybody on blast and told him and he put them on notice? Listen, you guys better get it together. And I'm wondering now if they don't. What's going to happen? Like, are we like, are we really? Because every year they be like, yo, like we're rebelling against the Grammys. Like we're not showing up. Jay-Z and Beyonce have not shown up to a Grammys since like Mm. Lemonade and she didn't win. They have not been there. They have not been there. So like, what are we going to do? Are we going to really be like, okay, you know what? No black folk go to that literally because the Grammys ain't shit without without us us there. Without us. They not nothing. 
They're nothing. Right. So are we not going to go? And if we don't go, are we going to put on our own event? Exactly. Like, are we going to bring back the Source Awards? Come on now. Are we going to really highlight the BET Awards? Are we going to are we going to really like excel and put up the NAACP Image Awards? Come on, and like because we have the spaces and the places to do it. And just like the cat, um, um, Jaquin Phoenix. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. He called out the systematic racism, and when he accepted that award, he said, "Listen, I'm part of the problem." And until again, your white privilege, your well, your white male privilege are able to say to one another, we all the way wrong. Nothing will change. change. So that's why P Diddy, for those of y'all that missed the point, P Diddy told you all, you got 365. Then your girl JLo said, listen, so many symbolisms, her daughter and them other kids in the, the actual Bowl, cages the during Super the Super Bowl, Bowl halftime mm-hmm. show. We're sending y'all messages. We, we coming for what's ours. Absolutely. Get right. Or get left. Period. Or get left, y'all. It's for the love of, man. We love y'all. Excellence, black opulence, black black on black, baby. Black on black. We out. Peace.